This is The Sidebar for the second week of June 2017. I'm Steve Scully in Washington. The purpose of all congressional investigations, according to this decision, was to expand the powers of, uh, of, of Congress to do better legislation, that it was a part of the legislative process to discover these things. This week, we examine the history of congressional investigations with Ray Smock. He is the director of the Robert C. Byrd Center for Legislative Studies at Shepherd University, also served as the historian for the U.S. House of Representatives. Ray Smock, let's begin with the congressional investigation process. What authority does Congress have, and how specifically do lawmakers typically go about the process? Well, you know, congressional investigations are, are something that's not in the Constitution except as a, an implied power, and uh, it has uh, developed. Uh, it really, it really grows out of uh, out of uh, the, the uh, separation of powers. And uh, Madison talked about this to some uh, degree in in Federalist Fifty One, where where he said that the and it really gets down to control. Uh, you first of all, you have to have a government where the government control can control the governed, and then you also have to have a process where the government has to be able to control itself. And in that process, in in the government controlling itself, is sort of the germ of uh, investigation that one one branch of government. Uh, can investigate another. In this case, the congressional, the Congress can investigate the executive branch. The executive branch, of course, has a Justice Department that could investigate uh, members of Congress, um, not as a branch, but as individuals. So, in other words, this is the the genesis of it all, and uh, uh, figuring out how how to make things work, and also the legislative process itself. If if Congress is going to make law. It needs information, and if it's going to write good law, it needs to understand uh, situations and get to the bottom of, of issues. And uh, so uh, over the years, the courts have, in a couple of major decisions that usually that grew out of it, uh, congressional investigations, have given uh, Congress uh, sort of uh, the rationale uh, to uh, have very expansive powers uh, to investigate almost anything and anybody. Well, let's take that one step further in terms of what's asked, what's admissible in a congressional investigation, and the overall objective, and the differences between what we would see in a congressional investigation versus a criminal investigation. Um, a, a, a congressional investigations could lead uh, to uh, uh, to criminal uh, in, uh, in investigations, but they're not they're not uh, tied together, and certainly uh, people who have uh, you know they could be held in contempt of Congress and and, and, and go to jail. There's lots of there's lots of ways in, in which uh, uh, crime can can and it's it's usually crimes that are the the subject, or it's malfeasance or or uh, 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 you know bad practices uh, whatever. You know in in 1792. Uh, the first major congress, uh, congressional investigation was over why the uh, U.S. Army, a thousand strong, went out to uh, in Ohio country uh, to uh, put uh, pacify the Indians there 
only to have the Indians uh, wipe out, virtually wipe out, kill 600 of the American soldiers. This was far worse than what happened uh, many years later at Little Bighorn with uh, General Custer. And yet, uh, and so Congress investigated that uh, that major event, and, and, and of course, bringing, bringing in military investigations into the t- uh, 20th century, there was a major investigation of Pearl Harbor, of course, uh, uh, after after the bombing at Pearl Harbor. So that's one one kind of an investigative power, uh, but also mostly time it, it deals with uh, with uh, uh, crime or corruption, and uh, and then how to maybe write laws that would address better ways to control whatever particular crime or corruption uh, the the issue was. There have been some parallels into the Russian investigation to Watergate in the 1970s, and I want to talk about that, but let's go even further back in the 20th century to the Teapot Dome scandal. What was that all about, and what was Congress looking into? What Congress was looking into in Teapot Dome, Teapot Dome is is a is a oil reserve. That's the name of an oil reserve in Wyoming, and uh, it it got in, involved in. Uh, this was during President Harding's term uh, in the 1920s, and uh, it became a major scandal of greed, corruption in high places. Warren Harding, who by all measures was a fairly uh, decent guy himself. Uh, was surrounded by corrupt people uh, that he brought in. He brought a lot of his friends into government, uh, poker pals and, and, and people that he uh, uh, trusted, but uh, were, it turned out to be uh, interested in lining their own pockets. And so uh, this was a, the Teapot Dome was a naval uh, oil reserve, and so it got involved in, in, in uh, people making money off of uh, pumping oil out of a Navy reserve. Uh, and uh, a number of them uh, were were found uh, guilty of of bribery and crimes and corruption and, and uh, uh, basically using the federal government uh, and the federal government resources to line their own pockets. Uh, and uh, as a result of of that uh, Teapot Dome uh, scandal, the the that was the that was a major uh, uh, Supreme Court case that began to define. Uh, uh, the nature of, of congressional investigations, and in in, the, in McGrain versus Dougherty in 1927, that came out of the Teapot Dome scandals, um, that was when po- the uh, the investigative power of Congress was extended to all persons, not just uh, private uh, government officials, but to private persons, and uh, that the purpose of all congressional investigations, according to this decision, was to expand the powers. Of, uh, of of Congress to do better legislation, that it was a proce- part of the legislative process to discover these things. And did it also require, basically compel witnesses to testify before Congress? Uh, yes, it did. And and uh, uh, in in the case of of uh, of, uh, uh, of the. Uh, the, the the people that they 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 did have to come before Congress, and and they had to testify, and they could be held in contempt if they if they refused to testify. Let's talk about the Watergate investigation and walk us through the process that the House and Senate did on similar tracks, but uh, obviously holding their own investigations in each of the chambers. 
Well, in, in yes, in in, uh, in, in Watergate, uh, the the uh, the issues were were complex and long drawn out, as everyone that uh, can remember that, and I do, since I'm old enough to have lived through that uh, that era. Uh, it was uh, multiple investigations uh, that eventually led not to impeachment, but to the threat of impeachment. And uh, began as a, a break-in uh, uh, of uh, Democratic headquarters in the Watergate Hotel complex uh, in 1972, and uh, but that as it unraveled, uh, it had multiple dimensions of uh, obstruction of justice and of uh, crimes uh, committed uh, by not only the burglars who committed the crime but the cover-up. And eventually, in in Watergate, uh, uh, we sometimes forget how many people actually were went to jail, in, including uh, two attorney generals, tr- attorneys general, uh, two uh, counsels to the president, and uh, about f- I think 46 or 48 people altogether were indicted for various crimes. And most of them, um, people in the White House, uh, and part of the president's. Uh, uh, staff, they they were all part of the uh, attempt to protect the president uh, uh, from this uh, scandal and to isolate him, and in the process, they they broke laws. Ray Smock, one of the other impacts of Watergate, the intense media coverage. This was in the pre-internet, pre-cable era, but the broadcast networks carried the hearings live, and you saw almost a crescendo of coverage back in 1973 and into the spring and summer of 1974. So what impact did that have in the investigation, in what Congress was looking into? Uh, it had a tremendous impact, uh, and, and mainly its, its its impact was to bring the country along. Uh, the uh, A lot of these investigations, including, including the current ones that are going on regarding uh, the Russian probe, uh, with the Trump administration, uh, the public is frustrated because we only see little pieces. We're at the beginning of, of this current investigation. The same was true in Watergate, where we saw little pieces unfold, and it, it but it played out on television and in hearings that were absolutely riveting, and it, they were very educational to the public uh, because you, you could you could watch these things and you could see. Uh, under uh, 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 interrogation, uh, Senator Sam Irvin uh, dealing with uh, with uh, reluctant uh, 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 members of the White House staff who didn't who were squirming under his under his questions, and uh, you could begin to see the whole thing uh, unfold, and it helped to educate the the public for the need for President Nixon uh, to to be impeached. In a panel discussion that we covered for the C-SPAN Network's uh, Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein both echoed a sentiment that I'd like to get your reaction to. And they said, essentially, with Watergate, the system worked. We had freedom of press, the Constitution worked, and members of Congress put country ahead of party. Would you agree with that assessment? Uh, I would agree with that. I, I, when I was historian of the House of Representatives, I used to occasionally have lunch with uh, Chief Justice Berger, uh, because he was uh, involved at that time in the um, celebration of the bicentennial of the Constitution, and that was my job at the House of Representatives. So we would have lunch at the at the court, and I at one time I brought up the subject of Watergate with him in a private conversation, and and uh, I, I asked him 
as a chief, uh, and that's what he preferred to be called. He's a chief. Uh, what is the the most surprising thing about Watergate? And his reply, after pausing for a second, he looked me right in the eye, put his hand out and put it on my hand. He said that the Constitution worked. And I asked him, you were surprised that the Constitution worked? And he said, yes, until uh, uh, Richard Nixon agreed to retire, to resign, it, there was a great deal of fear that he could continue to fight this and that the constitutional structure would be challenged in ways that it had never been, and uh, it, it would be even more fragile than it, than it was. But it was eventually Nixon's acceptance that made the whole system work. And uh, so he felt great relief, he said, when they were able to prevail in, in, uh, in, the, in, in that the Constitution prevailed. So I would agree with, with what Woodward and, and Bernstein said. That's absolutely what I got from one of the people who was involved. Let's talk about a couple of other investigations. We'll go back to the 1950s. He was the chair of the subcommittee looking into communism, Senator Joseph McCarthy of Wisconsin, and yet that also ultimately led to his own political downfall. What was he looking into, and why did we reach that point in 1953? Uh, the, the, you'd have to understand the context of, of the 1950s after, at the end of of. of of World War II and in 1945 we began a Cold War with the, the Soviet Union and the, uh, a communist hysteria basically uh, drove uh, national politics and and, uh, and Joseph McCarthy uh, rose to power uh, with a speech that he gave in uh, West Virginia, in Wheeling, West Virginia in 1950 where he basically accused uh, the United States government of of harboring uh, within its own ranks uh, numerous uh, um, communists. Uh, he was particularly against the communists who he saw uh, in the State Department. And, and so uh, he began investigations into uh, the various uh, um, communism in high places. He would wave around lists of, of, of names of communists, which we never saw. Uh, and uh, whether uh, or not there were real communists in, in government, apparently there were a few, uh, they were never uncovered by McCarthy's uh, outlandish uh, tactics. Uh, he smeared people with, with, with charges. He ruined reputations. Uh, and he grandstanded uh, on this issue. And, and he, may, he became the most uh, uh, powerful, uh, at least for a short time, senator in Washington, one of those powerful people. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower and others uh, sort of let him uh, have enough rope to, to hang himself, President Eisenhower at the time. And uh, eventually, uh, it, uh, uh, members of his own party uh, turned on him, and uh, he eventually uh, collapsed. He was an alcoholic besides uh, all these other issues, and so he, he eventually had a, a rather quick and, and unseemly downfall. The current investigation into Russia and any allegations of its involvement in the 2016 campaign involve our intelligence community. And there were a series of hearings led by Senator Frank Church, Democrat of Idaho, looking into the U.S. intelligence communities back in the mid-1970s. Explain what that was all about. 
uh, Frank Church uh, was was one of the great uh, 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 heroes of, of many who who uh, because he uh, began to uncover the sort of the the underbelly of American intelligence uh, that had not been uh, looked at uh, before, uh, and he was particularly concerned about uh, uh, the violations of civil liberties and violations of of of, 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 uh, of uh, constitutional violations of, of your personal rights of privacy and other matters because of the way uh, the the uh, uh, intelligence community was doing uh, wiretapping of major uh, people they were wiretapping uh, uh, of anybody in the a lot of people in the labor movement uh, wiretaps of Martin Luther King uh, and and others anybody that uh, that was on anybody's list as a possible subversive or troublemaker or uh, could be um, uh, explored and by by uh, by clandestine services in in ways which had not been completely authorized or been through any kind of a court system. So he exposed a lot of that, and of course he was. Uh, um, some considered him a traitor for uncovering these kinds of things, and others considered him a hero. Uh, for uh, for uh, showing the extent to which the clandestine services and intelligence community uh, could extend their own power without congressional authority and without legal restraints. And finally, Ray Smock, let's talk about two recent presidential investigations, President Reagan and the Iran-Contra affair. Are there any parallels to what Congress is looking at in the 1980s to what we're dealing with today? Well, one of the things that uh, Ron Contra offers uh, that was a, that was never fully resolved to anyone's uh, complete satisfaction, uh, and uh, in, in Congress and their investigations uh, uh, ultimately uh, uh, interfered with with uh, prosecutions that were going on and other investigations. Uh, when when uh, John Poindexter and Oliver North, Oliver North was 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 uh, working at the White House at the time. Uh, he had a distinguished war career, and uh, when he came before Congress to testify, he put on his Marine uniform with all his medals and uh, looked uh, very much the American hero. Uh, but uh, uh, in that uh, whole uh, sordid uh, episode, uh, weapons were being sold to Iran, and then the profits from that was being used to funnel into um, uh, support for the Contra rebels in Nicaragua. There was a particular uh, amendment in, that Congress specifically included, that uh, the Boland Amendment in 1982, that said you cannot uh, uh, deal with you know with uh, you cannot fund this these rebels, and they were doing it Ill- clandestinely. And and uh, uh, against the congressional law, against law, and and uh, in order to cover that up, uh, the uh, White House went to great lengths uh, to destroy documents. Um, Oliver North and and uh, and uh, John Poindexter were given immunity in their congressional investigations, uh, and and uh, and and then later. Uh, their convictions for breaking laws and obstructing justice were overturned because they had been given immunity. Uh, so uh, 
Congress today needs to be careful about any immunity that they may grant uh, to persons involved in, in the current investigations uh, that might uh, allow those individuals to go free, uh, even though they may have committed uh, serious crimes. Uh, we don't know uh, about any of this yet because the the hearings are ongoing, but the parallels are similar in that regard. Uh, President Reagan, of course, uh, in the Iran-Contra, he never really got to his desk completely. Uh, supposedly there were, was one document with, with his signature on it that would have implicated him directly, uh, and, and but that John Poindexter had uh, destroyed that document. Uh, Ronald Reagan later, amazingly, uh, before he left office, apologized to the nation for any wrongdoing he may have inadvertently uh, 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 approved, and it was let go. No one had the the interest in in uh, destroying uh, uh, Ronald Reagan's reputation at that point, uh, and and uh, so it was basically dropped without any full resolution as to the president's involvement. And the final case I'd like to tap into your expertise on. We now have an independent investigator, Robert Mueller, the former FBI director, looking into Russia today. How did a whitewater land deal with then-Governor Bill Clinton lead to the hiring of a special prosecutor, Ken Starr, and ultimately the impeachment of Bill Clinton? <laughs> oh, boy. That is one, uh, you know, that the, the whitewater investigations uh, on, on Bill Clinton go back to this whitewater land deal when he was governor. Uh, there were there were numerous investigations. Uh, there were uh, numerous congressional investigations, uh, special prosecutors, uh, uh, and finally Ken Starr was supposed to be the one that that pulled it all together, uh, uh, and and uh, and never did. He never was able to get to the bottom of any crimes that came out of those land deals or any of the other charges that were floating around about Bill and Hillary Clinton for many years. Uh, and then along came uh, the Monica Lewinsky uh, scandal. And what the, uh, and all of the other investigations, all the uh, alleged criminal investigations, were simply dropped like a hot potato. And Ken Starr uh, focused on the sex scandal with, with Monica Lewinsky. And, of course, uh, President uh, Clinton's lying to the American people uh, about that, uh, about having sex with that woman, as he put it, uh, and that became the the basic for, basis for the grounds of, of impeachment uh, that he lied under oath uh, and that he um, uh, was not fit to be president. And then that that became that went that that went through a partisan uh, process in the House of Representatives. And then when it got to the Senate, uh, uh, Bill Clinton was not uh, was acquitted in the trial, and uh, the the uh, the excesses of the House uh, in, in 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 pushing the impeachment were were uh, offset by the cooler body, the Senate, which which uh, which refused to allow Monica Lewinsky to appear before the Senate. In the Senate chamber, she was deposed off uh, uh, off camera and in a hotel room, rather than have the appearance of of of, uh, of uh, Ms. Lewinsky 
in the Senate chamber, which on television would have been an incredibly powerful image. And the Senate chose to protect its own reputation and and uh, take the matter in, uh, uh, and deal with it differently. And in, in the end, uh, uh, President Clinton was acquitted, uh, and, and uh, that ended the matter. He was impeached, but he was acquitted by the Senate. Final point in our remaining minute as you see this investigation unfold in both the House and the Senate. Your own personal thoughts on how all of this is going to transpire? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this, but I, like a lot of other, like most of the experts, uh, so-called and, and real experts, uh, uh, the, the, it's very difficult to say how, how this will, will play out. It does seem as if uh, the uh, Mueller investigation, uh, if it follows normal course, could take uh, 18 months to two years. Maybe something surprising will happen that will short-circuit that. Uh, the congressional investigations have been uh, clouded by partisan bickering and and false starts and reluctance to uh, to dive in with both feet uh, and to to deal with the incredibly serious matters that the, that the, these the whole Russian uh, uh, meddling in our election and the possible uh, collusion with members of uh, the Trump campaign and perhaps members of the Trump White House staff. Uh, this, this is very serious business, and some people, uh, including James Clapper, who is uh, former head of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of intelligence services, and uh, who said uh, that this, is, this makes uh, Watergate pale in significance. He said that, I think, uh, very recently. And, and uh, so... Uh, we have to watch overdrawing parallels with Watergate, uh, but at the same time, we have to recognize that that uh, what we're facing today uh, uh, is uh, the possibility of, of cover-ups, the possibility of collusion uh, is every bit as great. And in national uh, uh, intelligence, uh, our, our, our the the safety of the country is far more at risk in this current situation than it was. Uh, during uh, Watergate and anything that uh, Richard Nixon was covering up. And I think part of that is the fact that uh, uh, Richard Nixon uh, uh, was was surrounded by a lot of people who were protecting him, but also that the government was continuing to function at a fairly normal uh, basis, even through this terrible mess of Watergate. And today we have a president who does not have a grip on his own staff, and uh, is 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 uh, playing around in a way that that only adds to our anxiety. Ray Smock is former historian for the U.S. House of Representatives. He co-edited Congress Investigates, a critical and a documentary history. Joining us from Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Thank you very much for being with us. My pleasure. You've been listening to C-SPAN's The Sidebar. Be sure to follow C-SPAN and C-SPAN Radio on Twitter and let us know what you'd like to hear about in future episodes by using the hashtag C-SPAN Sidebar. If you like the program, please like, rate, and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. By the way, every C-SPAN podcast is available on the free C-SPAN Radio app for Apple and Android devices, as well as Google Play Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening.